fan. Alex Fast of Pitcher List and also of MLB.com. We appreciate you taking some time. And you guys can give him a follow at AlexFast8 on Twitter. He's doing really amazing work there with Pitcher List. And just kind of let our listeners know exactly what Pitcher List is. Yeah, so Pitcher List uh, was created by Nick Pollock um, a few years ago. Originally, he just started taking GIFs of some of the best pitches uh, that he saw, putting them on Twitter, and then every uh, week releasing a, uh, a pitcher list, really. That's why it was called Pitcher List. Some of the best pitchers that he saw from the past week, kind of the rank, ranking them from 1 to 100 for the fantasy baseball community. And he brought me on about two years ago, and he has just done such a fantastic job uh, growing uh, Pitcher List. We've got this really big Discord channel. We've got a, a Patreon where people can come in to support us. And, we, you know, we're, we're really all about the community. So it's just in this Discord channel. I mean, you would absolutely love it. It's just guys talking baseball 24-7. Um, so, yeah, if, if you guys want, you can go check out PitcherList.com. Now that the season started, every day we have a bunch of great articles. Like we do a nastiest pitch article where we just have, like, the top, you know, anywhere from 6 to 10 of the nastiest pitches from the day before in a gift format. So people can come check that out. But, yeah, I'm really excited about the work that we're doing, and, and we're excited about the 2019 baseball season for sure. Well, as a former pitcher, I can appreciate that so much. There's nothing better than seeing a nasty pitch and watching a, uh, even a good hitter flail and look like a fool because a pitcher's been so nasty and uh one guy that's not going to be on the hill this year and this just came down moments ago it's breaking news Corey Knable the closer former closer I guess you would say at this point for the Milwaukee Brewers is set to have Tommy John surgery this is a really big blow Alex to a Milwaukee Brewers bullpen that you know with Josh Hader and Jeremy Jeffries and Corey Knable back there is a tremendous trio of guys but with Knable going down for the year this is a pretty big blow to that bullpen yeah, definitely. The bullpen was a really big reason why the Brewers got as far as they did the playoffs last year. And, you know, Josh Hader obviously has not missed a step. He came in yesterday. I think he just threw like 21 fastballs and he picked up a two-inning save and he looked absolutely electric. But Corey Knable going down is definitely a blow for them. I know there were some inklings about maybe them signing uh, Craig Kimbrell. I don't know if that's still on the table. If, if it is, you think it would have happened right now. Like, I don't think this is really um, huge news. We knew something was going to be going on with Knable. We knew he was going to miss a good amount of time. But, yeah, uh, the, the Jeffries injury really does set them back a little bit. Because, you know, yesterday they went to Hater for two innings. What are they going to do tonight if it's another tight game against the Cardinals? They can go with, uh, you know, they can go with Barnes for a little bit with Jacob Barnes. But hopefully it doesn't catch up with them too bad. And they really need Jeffers back in the worst way for sure. Yeah, I completely agree, especially because they were such a big part of their success last year. One team that had amazing success last year, the Boston Red Sox, winning the World Series, and a big part of that team was obviously Chris Sell getting paid not too long ago. Five-year, $150 million deal, essentially. But he looked like not Chris Sell last night. Let's just be flat-out honest about this. Diminished fastball velocity, not real good depth to his slider. And he got hit as hard as I can recall seeing Chris Sell get hit in a while. Should we be concerned about Chris Sell, or are we overreacting to one game early in the season? Well, man, it's tough to say. I mean, it definitely, your eyebrow should be raised. That's yeah. kind of as far as I'm going with it right now. I think people are kind of, not, um, he only got nine innings in spring training, so it makes a little sense that his velo isn't up there. Listen, last night I had a bunch of panic attacks about it because I, in in, I think I'm in five or six fantasy leagues. I have shares of him in at least two of them. So I was, you know, I was, I was ready to hit the, the sell button on sale. But then I kind of took a step back and I said, listen, 
there's no way Dabrowski would have offered this extension if there was something seriously wrong with Chris Sale, right? If there was a really bad injury with him, there's just no way. That organization is too smart to give him five years, $150 million. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a step back. I'm just going to say maybe it's taking him a little bit longer to ramp up because you're right. He was sitting 92, 93, and we're used to him sitting 94, 95. And as a result, I mean, his command was struggling. Mm-hmm. That one pitch to um, – to Tim, Tim Beckham, Beckham yeah. the first, yeah, the first home run. I think it was supposed to be a fastball high and tight up in the hands. It just drifted out towards the center of the plate a little bit, and bam, he just knocked it over the wall. I tell you what, though, as, as an Orioles fan, the reason Tim Beckham is starting off so well is because that's what happens when the Orioles get rid of their players. They go somewhere else, and all of a sudden they're just the best player <laughs> in the world. You know, uh, I, there's too many examples, unfortunately. Tim Beckham, and I, it's funny you brought up Tim Beckham here. Uh, we're going to get to the text line. We have a couple baseball texts that are coming in, and we'll get to those in just one second. Tim Beckham actually had a really good stretch last season. Uh, you know, yeah. You don't want to say it was a breakout because he didn't quite get to the level I'm sure he hoped, especially being a former number one prospect. We still haven't, I personally believe, we're about to see the best years of Tim Beckham. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see it. You're right, he had that fantastic stretch with Tampa Bay, and then he came up to Baltimore, and things kind of went by the wayside a little bit. And unfortunately, with that organization, and I love them, and I really don't have many disparaging words about them because I was really happy with the hirings that they made from the manager all the way up to their front office. But uh, they lacked an analytics department last year, yeah. and I think a lot of these guys uh, are going to go to – I remember when Brad Brock got traded down to the Braves, and Brad Brock, one of the first questions he heard was about the new analytics department in, in Atlanta or, or how he was uh, – uh, being approached to analytics, and he said, "Yeah, we never really had this in Baltimore." Um, so I think I, there, there, there obviously is that high ceiling with Beckham, and you know maybe he will be able to express it a little bit more, especially because there's no real pressure for him to be uber productive because they have a pretty nice offense around him. The actual question that came in on the uh, Randolph Smith with Rialta text line at three one eight five nine five one zero zero seven. The question was: Is Tim Beckham going to be a viable shortstop fantasy option this year? I, I think he's a cheap fantasy option. You can go pick him up at the moment. I noticed he was still available in a couple of my leagues, so he's worth the risk at this point. It's kind of my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely one of those guys who's probably available on your waiver wire yeah. right now, because I don't imagine he was drafted because there's a bunch of people around him. So listen, in my opinion, in terms of waiver wire, if you see a guy who's on a hot streak and maybe you had, uh, maybe you have someone who's on the DL right now, maybe you drafted Scooter Jeanette and you're just waiting yep. and you want to fill that with someone who's hot, there's absolutely no problem with that. Some of the other deeper shortstop guys I'm interested in are Paul DeJong. I think he's hitting he's like second or third yeah, he's right third. now for mm-hmm. the Cardinals. I think that's going to be fantastic. And also, I think a lot of people aren't paying attention to a Struble Cabrera. Uh, he's not the sexiest name out there. He's probably going to be hitting sixth in Texas right now. But he's, he's consistent, he's reliable, and I like him because he's got that second-base, shortstop, third-base eligibility. He's someone that I'm a little bit higher on who could be available on your waiver wire as well. Well, it's funny, man. You took a lot of the words right out of my mouth, so it's good to, good to hear we're on the same page there. Uh, <laughs> we got a couple more, actually, pitching questions here. I'm glad to see so many people fired up in Shreveport about baseball. This really gets me excited as well. Uh, this one comes in from Kaiser Joe on the text line. He says, what's your honest opinion on Cleveland's bullpen? On Cleveland's bullpen? Yeah, Cleveland's bullpen, the um, Indians. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely it's a little bit of a hole. Uh, it's not the most exciting thing in Cleveland right now. I mean, Brad Hand is absolutely fantastic. We had a great piece on Oliver Perez on Pitcher List that I think uh, you should go check out, which is really good. Um, but I'm, I'm just not really the biggest believer. I'm not too big of a fan of uh, Tyler Olson. Mm-hmm. I don't really think John Edwards is, is too great. Um and Neil Ramirez is kind of fine. I mean, yeah, I, I, 
I'm a little bit worried about what's going to happen with Cleveland this year because they obviously have some holes in that offense, um, and then that bullpen isn't great. But the rotation, I mean, is one of the best in baseball. Mike Clevenger, I just think, is is so he's just not talked about enough. I think he's absolutely fantastic. One of our picks over at Pitcherless for Cy Young this year is Trevor Bauer, and then of course we haven't even talked about Corey Kluber, who was great yesterday. Uh, and then there's Shane Bieber, but yeah, when it comes to the bullpen. It's definitely it, it is it is a cause for concern, I believe. Well, Shane Bieber was one of my guys that I snagged in almost every single draft. Obviously, had an amazing spring. Uh, was pretty solid at the back end of last year. Certainly showed some flashes. Are, are, how do you feel about Shane Bieber coming into this year? I personally am pretty high on him. Yeah, we are too uh, over at the site, and I am as well. I mean, I, Nick kind of uh, always brings up how he's a nibbler. You know, he's kind mm-hmm. of a guy who's always nibbling around the zone a little bit, and we kind of want him to uh, work on uh, upping his O swing a little bit. And by that, we mean get some pitches outside of the zone a little bit, get some more chases, get some more whiffs, see if he can add a, fi- a few more Ks to him. But, you know, he's got that great curveball. His fastball's good. So there's definitely there. The foundation is there. And, you know, they're obviously doing something right in, in Cleveland if they have all yeah. these aces in their staff. So, yeah, I'm definitely interested in Shane Bieber for sure. Yeah, he was a guy that I just couldn't He, I felt like he was in a great spot. I always go really strong, really heavy on the hitting early on and I try and find my value in the pitching late. That's just how I approach fantasy drafts. Works pretty darn well for me most years. We'll see if I can replicate my success once again this year. Uh, we had a message in here from Dr. T said, uh, how about Blake Schnell getting shelled yesterday by the Astros? Uh, Verlander started shaky but ended up doing Verlander things. My opinion on Blake Schnell is that he just simply can't replicate last season. I think he's going to have a fine year. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be one of the, the Cy Young you know, contenders again. But do you think he can truly replicate what he, you know, the performance he put on last season? No, no, there's there's not a chance he's going to end the year with a sub-2 ERA. I mean, I, I think it's a little unrealistic to expect. But for all the fantasy owners who do own him, it might be a little bit panicky. There's really no need to be. I mean, he he was he was looking pretty good in the first couple innings there, and let's also not forget he's facing a fantastic yeah. Houston Astros offense. So, is he going to do what he did last year? Probably not. Uh, but is he going to be okay for the rest of the season? Absolutely. His stuff is still just filthy. Yeah, that's where I'm at on him as well. Also, last season he set a record for the most. I think it was like. God, what was the number? Like 78%. He stranded like 78% of batters or uh, base runners or so. It was just something astronomical. And he just simply can't yeah. replicate that. It can't be done. Um, so, yes, we, we definitely think he's going to have a good season. But will he have a sub two ERA? No, I don't quite think he can get there. Um, I'll tell you what, Alex, let me ask you who are a couple of young pitchers out there that our listeners need to know about that maybe not enough people are, you know, talking about these days? You know, I'm actually I'm happy you asked that question because this is something, and it kind of harkens back to what you just said about your draft strategy. It's kind of all pertinent. We personally over at PitcherList think that there is much more starting pitcher depth this year uh, than a lot of people realize, and as a result, we're taking a lot of hitters early in our drafts as well. Cool. And a lot of that depth comes from a lot of these really exciting young names. Some of the ones that come to mind are Chris Paddock yeah. out of San Diego. Oh, my goodness. Just watching him in spring training was absolutely electric. I'm such a sucker for a guy who's got fantastic fastball command. So- this uh, is Matt, actually oh, sorry, go on. oh Chris Paddock is actually how I kind of stumbled upon you. You were tweeting out stuff about Chris Paddock, and I was drooling over his spring starts as well. And that's kind of how I started following along. You know, following along with you in particular. I followed Pitcher List for a while, but started following you. And it's funny. A lot of the things that you've been saying, I'm just right there on the same page with you. I view Chris Paddock as my favorite, you know, pitcher this year as far as a sleeper is concerned. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's so much fun to watch. I think, you know, San Diego keeps surprising me in how they're approaching things from an organizational standpoint because I thought, hey, maybe he was going to be you know, a victim of service time manipulation, and yeah. he wasn't. Kudos to them. They said, you know what, he's our best option, one of our best options right now, so we're going to start him. And he's got that first start coming up this week, and I'm, I'm very excited to watch it for sure. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I just wanted to kind of get that story out. Who are a couple other guys outside of Chris Paddock that uh, maybe people need to take note of this season? Yeah, sure. Well, we can stay right in San Diego and talk about Matt Strom, who's uh, you know another guy that Nick from PitcherList, uh, the founder of PitcherList, has been excited about for years. Um, he's got this great changeup and slider that we're both really excited to watch. Um, he's finally going to get his opportunities coming out in relief for them last year and was very effective. Uh, before that, he was with the Royals, and he never really got a chance. I actually have a bold prediction that in August, Matt Strom's Jersey is going to outsell Manny Machado in mm. San Diego because I wow. think he's uh, I just he's going to be some special stuff. And then also, you know, it's funny because we keep talking about organizations you wouldn't necessarily think about elite pitchers coming from, but Miami has a slew of young starters that are going to be really fun to watch. We're talking about Pablo Lopez, Trevor Richards. Uh, Caleb Smith isn't necessarily young, but he's really fun to watch as well. Sandy Alcantara, um, they were doing some great stuff in spring training. Trevor Richards really surprised me. Still really not in love with his fastball, but it seems to be taking some steps forward, but his changeup is just so good. Pablo Lopez has a really nice arsenal to him. Uh, I believe he's making his debut. I don't think it's, I think it's tomorrow. I could be wrong about that. Um, and then Caleb Smith, I was a big sucker for last year. A lot of people were out on him because they weren't sure about his fastball. His command was a little bit wonky. But then I think he righted the ship. He's got this fantastic slide or two that I'm really excited to watch. And then this isn't a new name, but Jeff Samarja's back. And I, <laughs> I, I, I miss Jeff Samarja. I mean, he, his velocity was back up in string training. I think a lot of people just completely forgot about him this year. I love pitchers like that. Guys who, you know, they disappear for a little while, like, like Pineda. I think he's going to have a, a, a like a 10.5 K per nine this year. So those are just some names that I'm going to be keeping track of over the next couple of weeks. You know, Michael Pineda is a very interesting name because, you know, for a while it looked like he was going to be a, a, one of the better pitchers in baseball. He certainly has the stuff to and then he just kept getting hurt and kept getting hurt and kept getting hurt. And now mm-hmm. I think he finds himself in a really good situation in a pretty good ballpark. And if he can stay healthy, I think there is some super post-type breakout here for uh, for Michael Pineda. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, people forget too that you know his biggest issue was oh, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the um, uh, his biggest issue was the home runs and the park suppresses home runs more than people think, especially because it's freaking cold in, in Minnesota <laughs> for the for the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, now, while I do worry about that impact on guys like Nelson Cruz and whether that's going to take a few home runs away from him, yeah. I love that it's going to take a few home runs away from Michael Pineda because if you take away his biggest negative quality, then yeah, you're left with a, a kind of post type sleeper there keeping him around for one more segment. And Alex, our, our listeners out there are loving what you guys are doing. So, uh, you know, certainly a big appreciation for you taking this time. I want to ask you something that doesn't have to do with pitchers here. Who has more pressure on them this season? Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? Oh, man, that's a great question. I'm a, I, you know, it's got to be Bryce Harper just because of that uh, the Philadelphia, you know, the fans, they expect a lot. I mean, hey, Manny Machado didn't get booed yesterday. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and Bryce Harper did. Now, I think people make it a little bit too much of a big deal about the Bryce Harper booing. I think it was a little tongue-in-cheek. And from what I heard, it wasn't everyone doing it. And that's but, Philly you know, that's fans, man. Bit, that's what they do. Yeah, it is. 
But you know what? It's funny. I love the passion, and they're excited. And, you know, they want a lot out of them because they're paying a lot of money for them. And, and that market is just going to be a little bit more uh, – the media is going to have a little bit more of a frenzy when he's not doing well uh, than when Manny Machado struggles a little bit uh, in San Diego if he does struggle. Now, the good news is if Bryce Harper does struggle a little bit, then he's got a great offense around him to pick him up. But let's not forget, too, remember, do you see that article from The Athletic that said that uh, Bryce Harper was voted the the most overrated player yeah. by the fans, by the uh, players. Pardon me. Um, and I think so yeah, I think the, there's a little bit more pressure on him. Go I think, on, sorry. I, I think some of the fans feel that he's one of the most overrated players too. I have a lot of friends that you know he's he's a very polarizing figure. Some people love him, some people hate him. I think he's kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, Trout is so beloved, and everybody knows how great he is. But with Harper, it's like the the jury's still out, and a lot of people are kind of on the fence about whether or not they like him, or whether or not they hate him, whether or not he's a great ball player, if he's just a guy that's got a lot of hype around him. You know, I, I honestly don't even know what my opinion is on Bryce Harper. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great point. I think a lot of people, um, right now, I feel like in the community, in the baseball community, we're kind of at this weird crossroads where some people are really heading down the sabermetrics path, and a lot of people are kind of fighting back against that, which is totally fine. You know, they say this game really isn't played on paper. Um, and what I'm kind of getting to there is there are a lot of underlying metrics that make Bryce Harper pop out at the page, but some people look at his 249 batting average last year, and they say, well, that's not good enough, and why are we paying all this money for a guy who hit, you know, 249? Uh, and 243 in 2016, I think people are kind of ignoring, you know, those people really aren't going to pay attention to a stat like WRC Plus, which he had a 135 WRC Plus last year, which was, you know, I don't think he's had a single year where it's been below 100. So, you know, he's still a great baseball player. Explain real quick, you and I, as the baseball nerds we are, we understand what WRC Plus is. Explain that to some of our listeners that may not understand exactly what that means and how much it means to a baseball player. Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's funny, like, some of these metrics are so big and intimidating, and they've got these weird names, like there's one called Bacon, which is uh, like, what is it, like batting average on contact or something like that. There are these crazy statistics. WRC Plus is one of them. It stands for Weighted Runs Created Plus. Um, It takes an old statistic called Runs Created and kind of adjusts that number a little bit. Um, I think the exact formula for I don't remember the exact formula for it, uh, but it essentially just takes like the most important part of a batter's job, which is creating runs, and it kind of normalizes it with like everything above 100 being fantastic, or not fantastic, being good with like above 120 or 130 being fantastic, and everything below 100 not being that great with 100 kind of being the baseline there. Sure. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I explain. I don't know if that's helpful. no, no. You're, you're you're spot on, bro. You hit it. You hit it right on the head. And that's one of the things. There's a reason that so many teams around the country right now are adding these analytics departments because we've seen the teams that added the analytics departments early on have success, right? And you can't just. There is obviously something to be said for having a good eye for the game. But sometimes the eye doesn't explain everything, and these analytics departments have really helped teams take a step forward. Do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. I think that, that uh, you know, when I talk to people who don't really believe in any of these things, I think what I try and remind them is, like, the sabermetricians are not trying to take over the entire sport. I mean, some of them might think that they're trying to do so, but it, it's about the relationship between baseball on the field and sabermetrics. It's there to help you get the best out of your players. Does that mean the game might change a little bit? Does it mean there might be an opener and a starting pitcher might not have the same definition? Yeah, that could certainly happen, and we've seen that happen. But at the end of the day, 
I don't think you're really going to care if your team starts winning, right? Like, no, I don't really know any Rays fans who really hated the opener last year. I think they more were happy with the fact that they won over 90 games, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you right there. Uh, let's get back to the Randolph Smith with Rialta text line. And thank you guys for blowing this thing up. We're having some success right here uh, with Alex Fast joining us from PitcherList.com. 318-595-1007. That is the Randolph Smith with Rialta text line. What are you? Uh, this comes in from Daniel, Cubs fan. Uh, he says, what are your guys' expectations for the Cubs starting rotation this year? Uh, my thoughts... The Cubs, there's a lot of money tied up in this rotation, but it's a very, it's an older rotation. Uh, we kind of have an idea of what John Lester is, but he looked a little down mm-hmm. in spring training. Um, you know, can you Darvish stay healthy is probably one of the biggest questions. What are your thoughts on the Cubs? Yeah, this is this is definitely a point of contention for us over at Pitcher List. Some and, and it really kind of starts and finishes with you, Darvish, and what you're going to expect out of him. Me personally, I'm kind of in the same boat as you are. I'm a little bit worried about those injuries. I mean, when he's on, he is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I mean, he has got such amazing upside. He's got truly Cy Young upside. It's just the fact that he can't stay healthy. And I thought it was so ironic that here we are. Everyone was saying he's got to be healthy this year. He's got to be healthy, and then he he gets this blister, which of course isn't too uncommon. And it happens all the time. You know, they've got a lot of these kind of rock steady guys. Like John Lester was a dude who was constantly overperforming his numbers last year. So there's a statistic called FIP, which is fielding independent pitching, which tries to give you a more, um, I'm sure you know what it is, but maybe some, some guys out there might not be too familiar with it. Um, it gives you kind of a more a concrete number for what a pitcher is doing. It looks like ERA, but it removes kind of defense and luck from the equation. Uh, his FIP was always kind of above four, meaning like his uh, what his ERA should have been was like above four, but his ERA was always better than that, and he's just always kind of that guy. And yesterday's start was kind of a prime example of that. I mean, he didn't do anything too fantastic. Six innings pitched, two earned runs, two walks, and three Ks. But, you know, you'll, you'll take it. Um, and then at the end, I mean, Kyle Hendricks, I think, is he's a very good pitcher. Cole Hamels, I'm not in love with him because at one point last year, he had literally the worst fastball in all of baseball, uh, and that just scares me a little bit. And then Jose Quintana, I mean, he, he's kind of not what he used to be. That sounds a little bit negative. These guys are all very good pitchers. I think maybe I'm just thinking maybe a little bit too much from a fantasy perspective. They're yeah. still going to do well. They're going to get the job done. But that, that NL Central, man, it yeah. is filled with some elite bats. No, I'm right there with you. The, the Cubs, to me, that division in general is one of the toughest for me to read. You know, I actually picked the Cubs to win it. I'll, I'll tell you the reason I picked the Cubs to win it. I think Chris Bryant dealt with that shoulder injury way too much last year. I think he's back. He's fully mm-hmm. healthy. I have him as my pick to win the National League MVP. I think he's going to get back up to that level of performance. If he's able to do that, I think that'll propel the Cubs to the top of that division. Um, but if you know if Chris Chris Bryant struggles a little bit and looks like the guy for a big chunk of last season, then I think the Cubs could finish all the way down in fourth potentially because I think the Reds are a better team than a lot of people realize. What what do you think about the Reds? What, what's your thought on the Reds? Oh. Yeah, you know, it's so funny that you say that. I, I, I kind of have a running joke over on uh, on PitcherList. I do a, a weekly podcast with the founder, Nick Pollock, called On the Corner. And last year, we made a joke about how I kept saying, you know, the Reds are like a top-ten offense, but they are constantly <laughs> such an underrated 
offense, and they've only gotten better. I think yeah. Yasiel Puig is going to have a fantastic year in that ballpark. I mean, Jesse Winker looks like he's going to do some great stuff. We haven't even talked about Joey Votto. Um, they've made some interesting strides in their rotation, which was kind of the issue for them last year. Homer Bailey last year. Uh, there's a metric called PVAL, which is pitch valuation, pitch value, excuse me, which essentially measures uh, each individual pitch based on what they've done, with above zero being good uh, and further below zero, like negative being terrible. He didn't have a single pitch with a positive P-Val last year, Homer Bailey. Uh, and they've improved that a lot now because they've got Castillo and Sonny Gray, who I think is primed for a nice bounce back. Tanner Roark, Anthony Descalfani. The, rota- the uh, bullpen, excuse me, didn't look really ideal yesterday. Right. Um, I know Russell Iglesias struggled a little bit, but then, hey, man, next man up, David Hernandez comes in there. Did you get to watch the end of that game, that Corey Dickerson at bat? No, I didn't. I saw Amir Garrett came in for a second, faced a couple batters. We were on air, so I was kind of you know looking through. We were, we were talking college basketball at that time, so I saw it kind of on my MLB app, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. It was, I mean, I think it was 13 or 14 pitches. It was just Corey Dickerson was just fouling them off left and right. It was like, it was just such an exciting battle to watch. But to answer your question, I am excited uh, about the Reds this year and their offense. But I actually had a question for you. Yeah, bring it. Um, Of those five rotations in the NL Central, which do you think is the best? Oh, boy. Um, I lean towards the Cardinals. Uh, I, I'm real big on Jack Flaherty. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on Jack Flaherty. I think that, man, it's it's so tough because you can make a case for multiple teams. That, well, I guess the Pirates, you can make a case for their rotation as well. Um, I'm just kind of uh-huh. down on the Pirates this year. Something's I got a bad feeling about the Pirates. Maybe that's just me. I could be wrong. Uh, but I lean towards the Cardinals. I'm just, I'm real swooned by Jack Flaherty. I think he's going to have a big uh, year. I actually have him uh, as one of my bets today to strike out over six and a half batters in tonight's game. We'll see if he can accomplish that against the Brewers. But I, I oh man, if you know, especially if they can get Alex Reyes and Carlos Martinez fully healthy and ready to be a part of this thing, then I like the Cardinals. Um, sure. God, it's that's a really man. That's a good question because you can make a case for almost any of those teams, uh, especially mm-hmm. you know for the Reds if Sonny Gray could be good. Castillo could take a step forward. That would be awesome. If Tanner Roark can be the guy he showed during the spring, they would certainly be a surprise. But I guess the I guess I'm going to lean towards the Cardinals at the moment. What about yourself? Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, the Cardinals is kind of tough for me because I feel like as it stands now, you have Miles Michaelis, who I believe in, even though he got shelled by Huli Shasin yesterday. Um, <laughs> Jack Flaherty, yeah. I mean, I was a little bit concerned about Flaherty just because I was looking into his fastball, uh, and average spin rate on a fastball is a really big thing. Mm-hmm. You want either a lot of spin rate or not a lot of spin rate. The more spin rate you have, the more likely you have, but uh, you're more likely you're going to have what's called like a rise ball or a rising fastball. Sure. Um, and if you don't have a lot of that, you know, you're obviously going to be kind of throwing a little bit more sinkers or inducing more ground balls. He was kind of like dead in the middle, and it looked like his fastball was kind of overperforming. And then in spring training, it just looked like it was getting a lot of rise to it. I don't know if you worked on it, but if that fastball, you know, if he does get more rise to it, I don't think uh, he's going to have any problems with it. He didn't last year, but like I said, he kind of got a little bit lucky. We haven't even really, like, theoretically, his curveball is supposed to be his best pitch. Yeah. And we didn't even see it that much last year. His slider was just filthy last year. Um, so, yeah, I, I am excited about him. But I think after that, I don't trust Adam Wainwright. I don't really, I'm not really excited about Michael Walker. And then they kind of have a rotating door at number five now with Dakota Hudson and John Gant and Ponce de Leon. Um, I do like what you said about the Pirates because I agree. I mean, I keep falling for Chris Archer. I keep trying to quit him every year, and I just don't know. <laughs> I've got a couple shares of him as well. Yeah, I have. Uh, I have. I got talked into six fantasy teams, um, 
it's more than I, I I promised myself I wouldn't do more than four this year, and people keep hollering at me wanting me to jump back in. So I've got six, unfortunately. I think I have I think I have Chris Archer in three of them just because of the strikeout upside. And if he puts it all together, I mean, what great value you get late in the draft. I know. You know, I feel like we've been saying that the past three years, but I'm totally with you. I, I am with you on that. And, you know, we'll see if the Pirates make him throw more sinkers because they were kind of known for that. Although something interesting happened last year. For the past five or six years, the Pirates as an organization have been number one uh, in how many sinkers they have their starting pitchers throw. Last year, I think they went to like seventh or eighth. Um, I did want to actually, if you don't mind, jump back to Miles Michaelis yeah, for a for second. Um, so we have this metric on a uh, pitcher list that was created by Nick, our founder, um, called CSW or CSW rate. Um, and that stands for called strikes plus whiffs. Uh, and then we kind of divide that over total pitches. Um, and then, oh, so what I decided I was going to do this year was every morning, I'm going to take the top 10 guys in CSW rate and I'm going to tweet about them. Um, and yesterday, uh, Michaelis actually finished ninth. Uh, in CSW rate with a 33%. Uh, now, what does that mean? 35% and above is going to be elite. 30 to 35 is going to be good. 25 to 30 is going to be average. 20 to 25 is going to be below average. And below 20 is going to be poor. Mm-hmm. Really exciting names on there yesterday. And we're really excited about that stat because we feel it gives you guys a good, or it gives listeners and people interested in the baseball or fantasy baseball community a good idea of how many you know swings and misses and whiffs these guys are getting, which is obviously what you want to see uh, from your pitchers. Now, yesterday's results are going to be chock full of aces, but it gets more exciting. My favorite day to do this is when all the number fives are going, because you can really see who's going to be a surprise. I think I'm also going to keep track of this over the course of the year, so we can start comparing averages, but 